It is an unfortunate fact that the elderly are taken advantage of every day. While the estate planning and government assistance laws are quite complex and ever-changing, how do you keep track of them all? Through elder law attorney Michael Cohen. He's there for you to answer any of your planning questions in a way that you and your loved ones will easily understand. Mike has devoted his entire career to dutifully informing and protecting our parents and grandparents, aunts and uncles, anyone in need. Join us now to learn more about estate planning essentials with Michael Cohen and co-host Don Crawford Jr. Here now are Michael and Don. This is your Estate Planning Essentials Radio Program. My name is Don Crumper, Jr., the grateful owner of KAAM Radio and co-host of this program, tirelessly seeking to protect your family, your assets, and you. And I'm sitting with my co-host, my friend, my attorney, should be your friend. I think he should be your friend if he lets you. Uh, he should definitely be your attorney, our Dallas estate planning expert, Michael Cohen. Hello, Hello Michael. Hello, Don. How you doing? <laughs> I'm doing fine, thank you. Are you ready to be everybody's friend? Can I be your neighbor, neighbor? You know? <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Um, well, you certainly are friendly and kind and, and gentle and giving when it comes to this program. And one of the things I love about this program so much is that your information is so current. It's not dated like so many other programs are out there. It's very timely. And that's important in this day and age because things change so quickly, uh, like they have in the last three years uh, or the last three decades from Facebook in 2004 to where we are today. It's just, it's, it's almost every hour top this, new language, new vernacular. What's this mean? What's this acronym? I just lose track after a while. But what you provide us is also very current, but it's understandable. It's in layman's terms. It's simple to realize, and I think it occasions people to want to come to your next workshop, uh, which is very important, and that's on February the 18th, and Michael's going to explain why you should come to that when he addresses this issue today, or in general, but before we talk about the workshop, let's get into the topic today, Michael, and you talked to me before the program about this thing called ABLE accounts, and he said, do you know what they are? I said, I have never heard of that in my life, so help us out with that. Yeah, and probably the majority of people never have heard of it, but mm -hmm. it, it's really, for certain people who are disabled, it becomes a very important tool. Okay. ABLE accounts, uh, by the way, that sounds, uh, stands for Achieving a Better Life Experience. Okay. About, oh, I think it was maybe during the Obama administration, these things were uh, first permitted. Uh, the idea is you had disabled people uh, who uh, were encouraged not to work because you, for Medicaid, you have to have very limited resources. Uh, only $2,000 if you're single. Uh, and uh, so if you worked and got not only too much income, uh, but you... Uh, would maybe get have assets if you worked, uh, if the income wasn't spent. And as a result, your assets would have been too great, and therefore you would lose valuable public benefits. It's not just the income. So, for example, supplemental security income. So people who become disabled before age 65, uh, a lot of times... Uh, if they never worked in particular or had very limited working or had very limited income, 
could get this thing called Supplemental Security Income, SSI, not Social Security Income, mm-hmm. although it's uh, governed by the Social Security Administration. And if you get Supplemental Security Income, then you get Medicaid. Most importantly, drugs. Drugs mm-hmm. are very expensive, and if you could get the government to pay for those drug costs, that's extremely important for a lot of people. Right. We know that some drugs are very, very costly, um, and so uh, this becomes a really important thing. It could be a matter of life and death. Mm-hmm. You know, so anyway, so for, you know, there are certain things that do not count for SSI and our most Medicaid programs like a home, a car, a pre-need funeral. Uh, personal property items, but uh, but you get to have very limited cash. Um, anyway, so the previously, uh, if you were either inherited money or you had, let's say, a personal injury accident, and you uh, or, or somehow got more money and you were disabled and you wanted to have get eligibility for uh, Medicaid, and you're under sixty five. Uh, somebody could create what's called a special needs trust or supplemental needs trust. It is basically used to supplement rather supplant Medicaid benefits. So in other words, the government back in 1993 under the Omnis Budget Reconciliation Act uh, during the Clinton administration said, look, there are certain exception trusts that we say, okay, we want to take care of those who are disabled, so we'll let you have money in this particular type of trust, uh, provided that we, the government, get repaid at at that person's death to the extent that we paid out benefits. So we want you to, just because you're disabled, we want you to have a quality of life uh, but we want to encourage people, A, to take care of you. Uh, now, there's differences, by the way, between a first party and a third party uh, special needs trust. A first party means you, the one who, are di- who is disabled, can establish the trust and there would be a payback provision. By the way, if you're a, let's say you're a parent or a grandparent and you want to take care of a disabled uh, child or grandchild, if it's a third party, there is no payback provision. In other words, we want to encourage you to take care of people. Well, anyway, the problem with those trusts was, A, uh, sometimes, uh, it, I mean, it's okay, you wouldn't count as a resource, but the problem is that sometimes people are disabled, but they have mental capacity. And they may want to manage their own funds. And they couldn't with a with – when you have a special needs trust, the disabled person cannot be the trustee. Hmm. So we, what was desired said disabled people should have rights too. They should be able to have some rights to be able to handle different things, and we want to encourage them to work. Sure. So we're going to let you create – and achieving a better life experience, able account. Now, what's an able account? Um, it's you know what a five twenty nine. You know a five twenty nine is mm-hmm. college education account. Mm-hmm. How if you use the, you could set aside money for somebody, let's say a child or grandchild's college education. Uh, the money grows tax deferred, mm-hmm. and then if it's used for that ag- education, there's no taxation. Mm-hmm. Well, this is similar. Uh, you could put money into an ABLE account, 
and the money goes tax deferred. And if you use it for the, for the qualified disability expenses, then there's no taxation. It's also the same type of theory like an HSA, health savings account. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes people could establish an account if it's used for their health. Uh, the money grows tax deferred, and then you, um, if you use it for that health, there's no taxation. Is there a so certain t- period of time that you can't touch the money a- after, I mean, you've invested so much after five or ten years? Like with a 529, doesn't that have to occur once they get into college? Uh, actually, no. No? Because um, you could even roll it over into, like, my for my daughters, mm-hmm. what I did is I put money in a 529. Mm-hmm. If I didn't spend it all, I could roll it over for the younger daughter. Very nice. <laughs> and there's even for yourself, hmm. uh, you could have an education. Now, they, mm-hmm. may, they, they loosen the rules so that you could uh, continue to do things. And, in fact, on a 529, you could even roll it into an ABLE account. Interesting. Yeah. Know that. Yeah. So, so um, to help encourage people to take care of those who are disabled. Now, there are limits. There are limits. Uh, first of all, you can only on the able account. You can only put up to the annual exclusion. Now, it's not per year per person. It's just a total for the year. So, for year 2023, the annual exclusion is seventeen thousand. So, whether it's the person who is disabled or some parent, grandparent, or friend, or whomever, the total that could be put into the ABLE account is $17,000 in year 2023. By the way, that 17000 changed uh, as of January 1st of 2023. Last year it was 16000 The year before it was 15000 Cost of living has increased, and that's how they uh, come up with the different amounts. It used to be 10000 many years ago, and that's gradually went up over time. Okay. Now, so that, that 17000 will not count as a resource for Medicaid. Remember I told you that the limit is 2000 so if somebody gave 17000 the ABLE account, uh, then it will not count as an asset uh, for Medicaid, uh, whether for just all these different Medicaid programs, a lot of different, you know, in Texas, there's lots of different Medicaid programs, uh, and generally they follow the SSI rule. So SSI, Supplemental Security Income, is a federal program. Okay. But even in the state Medicaid programs, and there's 109 Medicaid programs in Texas that I'm aware of, um, so there's lots of different programs, at least on many of them, they say, okay, we follow the federal guidelines, we're not going to count this as an asset so you could have Medicaid eligibility. Now, one other thing there I should have mentioned, and the reason why I'm even bringing up ABLE accounts now is, you know, you said at the beginning of the show, there are different things that we talk about that are recent uh, you know, a few weeks ago, we talked about Secure 2.0, about retirement accounts. We talked about 10 different factors on how things have changed on retirement accounts because the government wanted to encourage uh, saving for retirement. Mm-hmm. So part of the spending bill that President Biden signed on December 29th of 2022, uh, we had all the different things about the SECURE Act. And, then, and of course, as you know, uh, or maybe list, some listeners know, we have podcasts of each of these shows. Mm-hmm. And so if you're interested in knowing about the new laws regarding retirement accounts, um, then you could listen to our podcast on my uh, – we have them on our um, uh, website, Dallas 
elderlawyer.com. In fact, any category. Uh, it could be about wills. It could be about trust. It could be about uh, last week's show was about Lisa Marie Presley and That's the good. planning for her estate. So uh, you could find um, any podcast about any, just about any estate. But we've been doing this show for 10 years. So there's lots. We And we try to talk about different things like today's topic, ABLE accounts, we've never talked about in 10 years. And so here it is. It's, there's so many different topics. I mean, there's a lot of things that are common. Oh, what are an executor's duties? What's a will? What's a trust? What's good? What's bad about doing one versus the other? What you know? What are powers of attorney? What are common estate planning things? We have all sorts of different things on there. So if you're interested in one of those other podcasts, just go to Dallas Elder lawyer.com and put under the like the blogs and you'll see the podcast of each um, uh, each of our shows we we often do uh, I, I say blogs because usually I'll write an article uh, about each of the topics that we discuss here on the show mm-hmm. including on an able account so like in our February newsletter there's an article about able accounts uh, as well so you you mentioned trying to do things current able accounts was one of the other things there was a change you know, a slight change in the law which is important to a lot of people who are disabled uh, and so that's why I'm even bringing this up today the change by the way uh, was previously, or still, I guess, and still in existence temporarily, is that unfortunately, when they initially established the law uh, during the Obama administration, uh, you had to have been disabled before age 26. Okay. Why is so that? They just came up with that. Okay. And they, I guess you take one step at a time. Okay. Uh, how they came up with 20. <laughs> I, I, I thought it was going to be 26 and four months and three yeah, days. Right, but exactly. I, no. I'm not sure how they came up with it. It's kind of, you thought that. Yeah. You know, it's kind of like I remember one time I had a uh, a trust for, you know, we, you know typically we talked about uh, on the last week's show, I think even, uh, we have an underage trust. So I remember one time I had uh, the wife's. The wife uh, wanted 30 years of age before the kids could get money, and the husband said, oh, I think 25 is a better age. And they ended up with uh, 28 because mm-hmm. the wife had more power. Gotcha. But, okay. <laughs> so I don't know how they come up with 26, but uh-huh. they came up with a number of 26 for some odd reason. Okay. The, you know, when lobbyists were trying to get an older age, right. but it didn't happen, at least initially. And for ever since then, um, there's been a, an attempt to raise that age because so many people uh, don't become disabled until uh, until later after age 26. Mm-hmm. So, for example, I had a client who became disabled at age 43. Amazing. Yeah. And so he would like to... You know, he he would love to be able to be in charge of his. He has mental capacity. Right. He would like to be in. He just can't work. And mm-hmm. uh, now, by the way, don't get SSI confused with Social Security disability. Right. That's like people who've worked and then they get income uh, and maybe get and get Medicare even before they're age sixty-five. So if you've worked and you have a lot of assets, you get supplement uh, Social Security disability income and then get Medicare. Even if you're thirty years old, you could get Medicare. Uh, if you have put 
put into the system, you're getting the income. Uh, instead of getting it at 60-something years old, you're getting it at a younger age. And then after two years, you get Medicare. Medicare. So even if you were younger than 65. But that's different than people who've been disabled. It's either at birth or younger. I mean, not younger at birth, but younger than uh, age 26. Uh, and that is being changed as of January 1st, 2025 to 46. So wow. I told that client, for example, that became disabled at age 43, that as of January 1st, we're going to give them the ability to be able to control some of his own money, to use his money without having, hey, trustee, I'd need this uh, new TV set, and this is the make and model of it, and I want you to buy it and send it to me. Because you can't have a distribution of income for supplemental security income because each do- it reduces income a dollar for dollar for each in- money that you receive as far as income. Uh, the ABLE account will not be considered as income. So uh, so this is a really a beneficial uh, thing. You can have people who can control their own money. Now, if it's, you know, if it's more than 17000 uh, or if you weren't disabled before that uh, earlier age, then you're going to have to go the special needs trust route. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's a real problem, too. Uh, I'm going to go divert to another story that because it, this is um, – an actual client case because uh, this is very important because sometimes people are thinking they're doing the right thing and it could be extremely harmful. Getting to a different Medicaid topic, uh, uh, somebody uh, who had been disabled from birth uh, applied for a program called HCS. In Texas, that takes about 14 years of a wait to get this valuable program for people who can't work. So we had this client who's now 67 years old, uh, has been in a facility for probably her, for the majority of her life. She's developed friends there. She gets to work a little bit. They have a combination, get this Medicaid program where she stays there. All oh, it's, it's just a great program. It has a lot of different benefits. But what happened? An uncle, in his attempt to be helpful, had an IRA of $200,000. He named her as the beneficiary. Okay. You can only live in this pro, in this facility if you're on HCS. Oh boy. Now, if there had been a will, if there had been a will, a lot there's under Texas law you can modify a will if the person either if it's either tax reasons or loss of public benefits or or, or the potential not being able to get public benefits. But this is through an IRA. Oh boy. And so if it's an IRA, it's not going by your will. And you go by the beneficiary designation. And how old did I say she is? She's 67. How old did I say that you could create the special needs trust? 65. So now, by his largesse, she's going to have to find some facility, move out because he didn't have planning. Brutal. He didn't know what he was doing. He was trying to be nice. No good deed goes unpunished. Unfortunately, for this case, for the beneficiary, because now her world is going to be turned topsy-turvy moving to some place that we that they haven't found yet because this is actually happening as we speak uh because because the the you know you can't even create a special needs trust mm-hmm. so now you're going to have to quote unquote spend down the money before you get eligible again and find a place that she could live and she has a very difficult 
circumstances due to her disability. Well, anyway, so this this goes to show you if you are planning and you're going to give to somebody who's disabled, be sure to have either like a special needs trust. In other words, if he had an IRA, for example, what he could have done, if he run that IRA to go for her benefit, even if there had been taxation, is it could gone named a special needs trust as the beneficiary. You know, I was sitting here listening to you, and I was thinking, well, I need to buy a URL on GoDaddy.com that's called therearealwaysdominoes.com because no matter what people do, whether it's a good deed that goes punished or other things, there's always dominoes to drop whatever you do, meaning there's always repercussions. And it just seems like when people do things independently, like a lot of people out there do, oh, look at this, I read it online, a neighbor told me, that's reckless, irresponsible, if not insane. You need an expert. You need a financial planner, like we talked about last week, regarding protecting what you have. Um, this week, I get the theme is prevention, preventing disasters like this last story you told me. That's an awful story. And the way to do that, protect or prevent, is to go to Michael's next workshop in person, which is on Saturday, February the 18th at 10 o'clock. And Michael, tell them how you protect and prevent at these workshops. Well, we ask people what they want to know. We see, you know, in this case, like you said, the person just did things. That's what's the problem. Like you just said, people look online, they think they could be their own doctor, own lawyer, or own accountant, whatever they may want to be. Save money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be smart. Yeah, yeah. Impress people. Yeah, and and just unfortunately, um, there's just lots of different things. So um, so basically, you ask people what they want to know. There's no obligation. It's free. And you could find out the answers, hopefully, to your questions. Uh, Usually, we answer all the questions. It's very Mm -hmm. rare that we... Uh, can't, uh, quite frankly, and uh, about estate planning. Now, if you asked about some other topic of law, I probably couldn't, I certainly probably couldn't answer uh, those uh, those questions. But in any event, we ask people what they want to know. And it's about estate planning or Medicaid in this case. Uh, and then we answer those questions within the two-hour free estate planning essentials workshop, in addition to having a presentation about general things like uh, wills and trust and powers of attorney and um, Medicaid. So a lot of the different common questions we uh, have a presentation about. We've been doing these workshops for over 10 years now. Uh, and if you go to the free estate planning essentials workshop, which I think you'll learn from other people by not only answering your questions, but you'll find questions you never even thought about. It's like, oh, gee, that affects me. Yep. And then uh, we also give you the option only if you go to the free estate planning essentials workshop to go to a free vision meeting, another hour that's free. So basically with me. Uh, you privately. Get, yeah, privately. Mm-hmm. So you get three free hours of whatever questions you want to ask and learn without obligation. Mm-hmm. To do that, all you do is call 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. Or sign up online at DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com. I think you'll enjoy it, even if you don't do anything else. That's okay. You'll learn something and... You know, we have it on a Saturday to make it easy for people to attend. Uh, There'll be some pastries and 
coffee with a free KAAM coffee mug. That's what most people, I think, come for, not the free education, the three free hours. Uh, you know, it's not Valentine's true. Day. It's not true. You know, here, here it is. Uh, you no, got you the, miss Valentine's Day, which is good news. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Very desperate people who want that mug, for sure. But, yes, you should attend his workshop. It is Saturday the, 5th, the 18th at 10 o'clock. There's no traffic around that time, relatively no traffic, and it's very beneficial. Uh, I do challenge you, and I will find a way to get you a second free KWM coffee mug if you ask Michael at the next workshop. So, Michael, I'm curious, how do we fix Social Security? <laughs> how do we fix Medicare, Michael? Uh, these little tiny topics where we're trillions of dollars in debt and it's going to run out of money in, in 10 years. Yeah. Little things like that. Not yeah. a big deal, but... Well, I'm going to answer that question. You do have an answer? Oh, no, I shouldn't have asked that. Yeah, so there's already thoughts about that. Really? So, for example, mm -hmm. there's talk, and this may not be popular politically, so uh -oh. that may not, it may have a difficult thing, but you raise the age. So, for example, instead of having uh, age, uh, whatever age, uh, uh, on Medicare, instead of being mm -hmm. at 65, maybe it's at, no, have Medicare until 70. Oh, my goodness. Well, people some, are living longer. People are healthier. living longer. Well, everything else has kind of changed. Like, mm -hmm. so Social Security, remember, it used to be at 65, mm -hmm. and it's gradually gone up to uh, 66, 66 in a certain amount of months, 67. Mm -hmm. uh, we've talked about on uh, on the retirement, uh, when you have to take out a, a, a IRA, mm -hmm. uh, it used to be 70 and a half, then it went to 72, now it's 73, and it's going to be 75 for the people uh, who were born at a certain date earlier. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to, so the answer that may not be a part, very popular politically is to, but to, because the, it's, the cost is so great, is to raise the age before that happens. Not a bad idea. I thought you were going to say, and what I think is probably necessary is to raise taxes. You have no choice but to fund Social Security, and I don't know what else you're going to do if you don't raise taxes, but that's for another day. Maybe that's for the workshop, for another program. We've got about two minutes oh, left. Oh, goodness. Let's, let's address the ABLE accounts for these last few minutes. Well, okay. So the only, let me couple, t tell you a couple other things about them. There is a payback provision, just like there is for supplemental <laughs> Uh, for a special needs trust. In other words, after that disabled person dies, the government is paid back to the extent that they paid out benefits. Uh, the ABLE account can never exceed $100,000. You could have 2000 plus the 100000 Anything over that uh, would be disqualified. Interesting. Okay. Uh, there's different ways you could use the ABLE account. So, for example, uh, this gets kind of technical, but, you know, what we talked about if you uh, – for – if somebody else has provided your housing, then you get reduction of your SSI. So let's say that um, you paid rent to a parent. The parent puts $17,000 into your ABLE account. You pay rent, so there's no reduction of the SSI. So there's different planning that you could do for the uh, for the uh, uh, ABLE account. So now you've got uh, the benefits of not of having increased at your highest rate of SSI. See, SSI you get a certain dollar amount per month, uh, but if there, but if housing uh, or food has been provided uh, for you, then uh, then there's a reduction in your SSI by roughly a third. By using this kind of tool that I just said, now you have no reduction, have the full SSI, and you've used the ABLE account in your planning which kind of shows you why the law is kind of ridiculous that they have the third reduction. You see, people can't live on the amount that they give you for SSI. No. It's only hundreds of dollars a month if you're single. <clears throat> and how do you even pay rent for that? 
So this is a way to get around that with having, without having to worry or ask other people to help you out. Uh, encourages people to work. You know, we want people to be a valuable member of society. We want people who are disabled to not have less rights. We want them, especially of mental capacity, if they could take care of themselves. Right. So we have to think about what does the what does this encourage? Mm-hmm. And so I think this is the law change of having it up to 46 is a good thing because you're going to have a wider net to protect more people. We ought to protect those who are disabled just like anybody in life. Could not agree more. Saturday, February the 18th, 10 o'clock. Sign up for Michael's next workshop for that day. A lot of acronyms, ABLE, SSI, you name it. A lot of questions there for. Attend his workshop to get them answered. Dial 214-720-0102, 214-720-0102, or go to DallasElderLawyer.com, DallasElderLawyer.com. Michael Cohen, I thank you, sir. Thank you, Don. Leading estate planner practicing law for decades in Dallas, Texas, Michael Cohen is ready to educate you about the Texas and federal laws. The next step to that end is to attend his next workshop by going to his website, which is DallasElderLawyer.com. That's DallasElderLawyer.com and sign up for that free estate planning essentials workshop. Or you can also call him by dialing 214-720-0102. That's 214-720-0102. A talk show host on KAAM for eight years now, Michael Cohen is the person you want to evaluate what could currently be a rather insufficient estate plan. Make certain that is not the case and that it is created and completed your way by signing up for his next free workshop today.